The New Orleans Saints retaining Pete Carmichael at offensive coordinator makes absolute sense, but now you have to build the offense around Carmichael's play calling. So let's go ahead and build that Pete Carmichael offense on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome into another episode of Locked On Saints, your daily podcast covering the New Orleans Saints, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks, as always, making Locked On Saints your first listen of the day every day. And don't forget that we are free and available on all platforms, including on YouTube as well. And I'm your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson Nola on Twitter, Canal Street Chronicles, Locked On NFL, and here with you every single Monday through Friday on Locked On Saints. The New Orleans Saints did conduct some external searches, but eventually land on Pete Carmichael moving forward as their offensive coordinator and play caller. And it's the hire that made the most sense. As we were talking about different offensive coordinator possibilities over the course of the last week, one of the things that I kept mentioning is that I really thought that the Saints were going to maintain Pete Carmichael in that position and just give him play calling responsibilities. It made the most sense. If the Saints focus was going to be on continuity and cohesion, you've got three people in the world that made the New Orleans Saints offense run the way that it ran from 2006 to 2020, 2021. And one of them was already on your staff and that's Pete Carmichael. Two of them aren't in the NFL anymore and Sean Payton and Drew Brees. And then maybe you can throw Joe Lombardi in there, of course, who's now with the Los Angeles Chargers. But outside of that, There was nobody else there for continuity or cohesion when it came to the New Orleans Saints offense. So going with Pete Carmichael made the most sense, but the original reports were that he was going to stick around on the Saints offensive staff, but wasn't going to be the offensive coordinator. So then they conducted searches with guys like Scotty Montgomery, who's the RPO expert that we've been talking about, Robert Prince, who does a little bit more of the like uh, heavy run game, simplified wide receiver route tree uh, portion of things. And then Jay Gruden, who really does a ton and really is a good offensive mind. I don't know that they would have gotten along uh, if he would have fit the culture very well, but is a fantastic offensive mind and would have brought something a little bit different to the New Orleans Saints. But if a little bit different isn't what they wanted, which is what Mickey Loomis has talked about, it's what Sean Payton talked about, it's what Dennis Allen talked about, they're not trying to blow things up. Gail Benson talked about it. They're not trying to make these big wide swath changes. They're trying to keep the nucleus of the New Orleans Saints together and intact. Then Pete Carmichael made the most sense from the very beginning. But then we were being told that he wasn't going to be the one to hold on to that offensive coordinator position. Now he is. And actually, I'm glad to see it. I think that this is what the New Orleans Saints wanted and should have done all along. When you have a coordinator position that's open, you have to go out there and do the external interviews. And I know a lot of people are talking about them being artificial, but remember, Pete Carmichael was never actually technically not the offensive coordinator. It's not like the Saints lost Pete Carmichael, right? They never really moved him or changed his title or anything like that. They didn't need to interview anybody if they didn't need to, because the offensive coordinator position was never actually open. So them interviewing and looking outside of the uh, of the the facility was or has merit that they went and took took a look at what it was that would be other options out there that would allow them to change and maybe go a different route on the offensive side. And then ultimately, they've decided to stick with where they're going and what they've already created. This is a team that is in still win now want to compete mode. Now, in order for them to do that, they're going to have to put together the correct personnel on the offensive side. And we're talking about player personnel at that point, because it doesn't matter who's calling the plays after a certain point. If the talent isn't there, and if you're stuck with what you had in 2021 on the offensive side, dealing with injuries, all those other things, then you're not going to be successful. 
So the Saints are going to have to build up around Pete Carmichael's offense and around his play calling. We're going to do that here in just a little bit, but I want to kind of re-highlight something that we just talked about in terms of what it is that Pete Carmichael brings to this team. It's not just the continuity. It's not just the cohesion, but it brings a synergy and a symmetry to what this New Orleans Saints offense wants to do going into 2022. If familiarity is the trend, Dennis Allen being promoted to head coach, Pete Carmichael retaining the offensive coordinator position, Ryan Nielsen or Chris Richard being the favorites when it comes to defensive coordinator, Doug Marone coming back to the team. If continuity is the goal, then moving forward with a guy like Jameis Winston or reuniting with a guy like Teddy Bridgewater, but everyone knows, and and it's no surprise that my personal preference is to bring Jameis Winston back, assuming that his recovery goes well, it makes the most sense to do that. And it makes a ton of sense to do that because you're continuing the continuity and cohesion. Jameis Winston could step back into a New Orleans Saints offense where he threw 14 touchdowns to three interceptions. And I know he didn't have a ton of yardage, but he scored like crazy. And the Saints scored like crazy when he was on the field those first few games. If you're able to bring him back, he doesn't have to learn anything new. He doesn't have to fit into a new system. He doesn't have to learn how to run the RPO offense like he would with Scotty Montgomery. He doesn't have to make any of those changes. He just walks right back into the offense that's already proven to support him and curb the turnovers, curb the poor decision-making, curb the concerns that were always out there and being sung about Jameis Winston, and instead puts him in a position to where he has something to come back to now. He has a reason to return to New Orleans because the offense isn't changing, and he's already seen what it can do. So if he comes in and signs a one- or two-year deal, and then goes out there and lights it up in 2022, whether it's with the Saints or otherwise, he's in line with a big old contract after that, right? So it makes a ton of sense for the Saints to work to retain Jameis Winston. I know a lot of people have asked, well, why haven't the Saints done it already? Why haven't they extended him? Why haven't they re-signed him? He's in the middle of rehab, y'all. He's coming off of an ACL injury. Every team, any team is going to wait until they have the all clear on Jameis Winston before they bring him back, and the Saints are going to do the exact same thing. It's simply the smart thing to do, and honestly, I also think that the smart thing to do is to work to bring back Jameis Winston, but you have to wait and see how the recovery goes and all of this stuff, but this whole path of continuity seems to indicate that that would be the way that the Saints would prefer to go. Now, we can't, we have to acknowledge that Taysom Hill is a part of that as well, and it'll be interesting to see how Taysom Hill's role changes or stays the same, or just simply what his... um what his deployment is with Pete Carmichael, who's running effectively Sean Payton's offense, right? It'll be one of the few people that should be able to do it successfully. Joe Brady tried, he failed, others tried, they failed. And so I think that it'll be really, really interesting to watch and see what they do with Taysom Hill. But I think you're struggling so much at the pass catcher spot that giving up Taysom Hill in that role becomes uh, you know, a, a huge detriment to your team. So if you're able to retain a guy like Jameis, use Taysom in all those different ways, then I think that that's what ends up bolstering your offense so that you have the pieces in place to be able to be successful with Pete Carmichael as a play caller. Because once again, regardless of who's calling the plays, if you don't have the talent on the team, then you don't have the talent on the team and it's not going to matter. So let's talk about getting the talent on the team for Pete Carmichael. Let's build the offense around him. We'll take a look at running back, wide receiver, tight end, offensive line. What are some of the things that the Saints can do over the offseason that are realistic that would allow them to be able to bolster what type of talent Pete Carmichael will have at his disposal in 2022. We'll get to that here in just a moment. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at betonline.net, the one and only place that we recommend for you to go to check out everything that you need in terms of odds, props, lines, whatever it is that you're looking for. Number one site for all of your betting needs. And of course, our exclusive online betting partners here over at the Locked On Podcast Network. They actually have odds out right now for a few different things. One of them actually has the New Orleans Saints 
as the second highest odds tied with the Steelers for Russell Wilson's next landing spot, if not with the Seattle Seahawks. I'll be really interested to see who they have as the odds on favorite when it comes to who the next New Orleans Saints quarterback will actually be, though. I have the feeling Jameis Winston will top that list. So you can check all of that out over at betonline.net. And also get all the sports news that you need, analysis and podcast as well. Number one place for all of that. And it's also a fantastic place for you to go to bet on basketball, on boxing, on UFC, on MMA, on hockey, baseball, whenever that all gets started. Hopefully spring training gets started here soon. And a whole bunch of stuff that you can get on their newly redesigned website on mobile or on desktop. So go check them out. It's betonline.net where the game starts. All right, family, continuing on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. Thanks so much, as always, for making this your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget that we're here for you every single Monday through Friday, even throughout the offseason. Ain't taking no breaks over here on Locked on Saints. So I want to talk a little bit about building an offense for Pete Carmichael. We said it before in, in the last uh, in the last topic, but I want to reiterate it. It doesn't matter who the play caller is. If you don't have the talent on the offensive side of the ball, you can't repeat 2021, right? You were at such a deficit when it came to talent on the offensive side. No Michael Thomas for the season. You lost Emmanuel Sanders. You lost Jared Cook. You lost offensive linemen. You lost depth. You lost a ton there. You dealt with injuries all over the place, which were completely outside of your control, but that exposed the lack of depth on the team, all of that. So here are the things that I think the Saints could do, and these are realistic options, right? This isn't go out and sign DJ Chark and Malcolm, uh, Malcolm, uh, uh, Michael Gallup, and then you're fine, right? It's not that type of thing. As much as I would love to be able to say, yeah, go spend $11.8 million per year on both of those guys and bring them into New Orleans and pair them up with, you know, team them up with Michael Thomas. Let's be realistic here and take a look at some of the options that they could potentially bring in to help out, as well as some of the, the, the things that would help them if they retained, of course. Uh, the players that they could keep in the building. So let's start at running back because there's a big question mark around running back because of Alvin Kamara's Las Vegas incident and everything. Another player was just implicated and uh, you know and arrested around that same situation. And so if, if you're going to lose Alvin Kamara for any portion of games due to violation of the code of conduct policy or anything like that, four to six games is completely possible in that situation. You got to reload over at the over at the running back position because you have to be ready for somebody to be able to step in and play that role within your offense as a tandem back with Mark Ingram or as a running back by committee situation, but you also have to be ready to bring somebody in that can complement or work with Alvin Kamara later on in the season, or you bring somebody in on a one-year deal and then you cut them when Alvin Kamara comes back. I, I mean, you know, it's a ruthless business. Sometimes it, sometimes it bees like that. So I think that returning time Montgomery is a really good way to start, right? You might lose Dwayne Washington this off season. He's a fantastic special teamer. It'd be great to keep him around. If you can do that, do that as well. But I think in terms of how you impact your offense, bring back Ty Montgomery, have him paired up with Tony Jones Jr. as well as Mark Ingram. We'll see exactly what happens with Tony Jones Jr. But you know, I think keeping Ty Montgomery as the versatile piece that he is gives you help at wide receiver, also gives you help at running back. You pay one guy, you fill a couple of different roles. Then I think you go out and you sign a free agent running back as well. Somebody that can be a ball carrier, but also a pass catcher. I've been pretty high on the idea of Jordan Howard being one of those guys, but there's a lot of them, right? You might be able to make a case for Raheem Mostert, who hasn't been able to really play over the course of the you know the past few seasons, only played a few snaps last year. Uh, you could probably make a case for a guy like J.D. McKissick out of the Commanders, out of Washington. Marlon Mack, somebody that I know a lot of Saints fans were high on as a potential trade target this past offseason. 
now you could potentially target him to bring him in when it comes to the um, you know free agency at this point. And he's not going to be super pricey at all. Neither of those guys will be. And then draft a bulky pass protector uh, between the tackles running back, a Damian Pierce out of Florida, a Brian Robinson out of um, out of Alabama, uh, North Carolina State or North Carolina A and T, excuse me, running back Jermaine Martin out of the HBCUs. There would be a phenomenal option as well. So you're able to reload that. And I'm sorry, I should have started here with quarterback. I'm an idiot. Um, obviously, we're we're carrying on from where we left off in the last piece, talking about Jameis Jameis Winston as the quarterback there. So we know that that's what we're talking about. And so a, a piece of continuity for the New Orleans Saints could also be pairing up Jameis Winston with somebody that he's familiar with particularly at a position where you really, really needed help last year, which was the tight end spot. I'm sure Nick Vanette will probably be back next season. Adam Troutman, of course, will be back next season. I could see the Saints continuing to hold on to Garrett Griffin, but they've also been, you know, ha- had a habit of holding on to Garrett Griffin on the practice squad and having three tight ends on the active roster. So what if he went out and signed OJ Howard? According to SpotRack, his his contract value is not going to be that much. It's like $2.2 million for a one-year deal as effectively a prove-it deal because he's not been asked to do a lot in Tampa. So what if you paired Jameis Winston and OJ Howard together in 2022 and in hopes to provide him another pass catcher, somebody that has a rapport with, somebody that he trusts, somebody that he knows, someone that he's worked with before at a position that you struggled at quite a bit last year when you asked for a second year guy out of Dayton, uh, out of Dayton University to be your top tight end and, and everyone struggled at that spot. So bring in OJ Howard, have him uh, lead effectively your tight end room. Next, we'll go to wide receiver. We already know Michael Thomas is on track to return in 2022. That's huge. That's huge. That's huge. Can't, can't stress that enough. So Michael Thomas is back. So let's say then you, in the first round of the, of the draft, you draft Jamison Williams, right? And you can replace that with your favorite, your favorite wide receiver. Jamison Williams, my favorite wide receiver, Chris Olave, someone else's favorite wide receiver might be Garrett Wilson, for instance, whatever. Draft a first round wide receiver. Would love to see it happen. You could also go with a second round wide receiver like a Christian Watson or a David Bell or whatever, right? Uh, Calvin Austin in the third round, potentially. There, there's a lot of options there. But grab somebody that will complement Michael Thomas over on the other side as being sort of the speedy, deep threat, field stretching option. And then sign Braxton Berrios. And m- maybe people aren't as high on Braxton Berrios as I am, but I think that the guy is extremely talented out of the New York Jets, severely underused. Of course, he's stuck with bad quarterback play and has been stuck with bad quarterback play in New York for quite some time. Maybe it gets better as, you know, as Zach Wilson settles in over time, but Braxton Berrios has the opportunity to make some money this offseason, and I think he could do it in New Orleans. And the Saints wouldn't have to do a ton to be able to restructure or, or, or not restructure, but structure his contract in such a way that they don't end up taking a big hit at the very beginning. You're looking at a market value of about $5.9 million annually. You knock that down, you backload some of it, you give it a heavy signing bonus, you're Gucci. And then lastly, over on the offensive side or offensive line, I would say draft some interior depth. I would also say draft Max Mitchell. Max Mitchell, uh, you know, he's a local guy out, out of Louisiana. One of the things that I like about him is that he can play left tackle, right tackle. You can move him around. He also swung inside a little bit during the senior bowl. So I really like seeing that. But get you somebody that you can develop. This is me operating under the assumption that Teron Armstead won't be back in 2022. So with that, I would say you move Ryan Ramchek to left tackle. You start James Hurst at right tackle. And then you have a swing tackle built in in Max Mitchell. You have a swing tackle guard built in in Calvin Throckmorton. You have another swing offensive lineman built in already in Will Clapp, and then you draft some interior depth, and you're in a good situation. I know a lot of people have said, whoa, 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 if you move Ryan Ramchick to left tackle, then his incentives kick in, and then you have to pay him a bunch of money. That's not true. That's just simply not true. 
the incentive is that if he is a first team all pro, then he gets an extra million dollars per year on his contract. You'll take that risk for good left tackle play to protect your quarterback. No questions asked. So that's the way that I would rebuild the offense. You bolster up the wide receivers. You bolster at tight end. Get somebody that Jameis is familiar with. You protect yourself when it comes to the running back spot, just in case, depending upon what's going to happen. And then you bolster the depth on that offensive line and the talent on that offensive line as well. And then all of a sudden, Pete Carmichael has some play calling ability that he's going to be able to utilize. And let's talk about that as we wrap up the show. What has his history been as a play caller for the New Orleans Saints? How has he performed there? And what can you expect in 2022? Well, if he's got talent, it's usually good news. Let's talk about that as we continue on to wrap up today's episode of Locked on Saints. Let's get it, Houdat Nation. Wrapping up today's episode of Locked on Saints with one more look at New Orleans Saints offensive coordinator and now play caller, Pete Carmichael. So Pete Carmichael has been selected to be the offensive coordinator. They're going to put the offense in his hands, which will allow the New Orleans Saints to really maintain, again, continuity, which has been a big focus for them over the course of the offseason. And what we've learned about Pete Carmichael is that he has called plays on and off with Sean Payton, but there are specific moments that you can look at throughout his tenure with the New Orleans Saints that show you that he is a very good play caller and that he can run this offense if he has the talent. We talked about in the last segment how to build that talent on the offensive side. Now let's explore what he has done in the past when he has that talent. Let's go back to 2011. Back in 2011, Sean Payton, midway through the season or partway through the season, ended up with an ACL injury, had to get surgery, all this other stuff, couldn't be on the sideline anymore, was up in the press box, so he handed over play-calling responsibilities to Pete Carmichael, who had become the Saints offensive coordinator in 2009, even though he had actually started with the team in 2006 as their quarterback's coach, elevated the next year to quarterback's coach and passing game coordinator, and then took over for Doug Marone, who's now back as New Orleans Saints offensive line coach here in 2022 as the offensive coordinator in 2009. So two years in, he starts calling plays, right? He gets the opportunity to be the full-time play caller in this situation where Sean Payton's not available. And how does he open things up? Well, he opens things up with a 62-7 to absolute slaughter of the Indianapolis Colts. Now, the Indianapolis Colts weren't very good that year. Their offense was not great, I understand. But still, when you drop 62 points in your first outing as a play caller in a near-perfect game, that's still worth mentioning. Now, they would go on to lose the next game against the St. Louis Rams, the then St. Louis Rams, 21 to 31, but then they would rip off about seven straight wins after that, losing the final game of the season when they were basically resting everybody. So then you look at that those games over the course of that seven-game win streak, five of those games, the Saints scored over 40 points with Pete Carmichael. Now, again, there are a lot of other common denominators here. Um uh, 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 of course, Jimmy Graham was at the peak of his career. You had Marcus Colston, you had Drew Brees, you had this incredible 2011 offense that set records and to this day still holds the record for most offensive yardage with 7,474 offensive yards, total yards in that season. So Pete Carmichael helped to set that record in 2011. Now he had a lot of talent, which is why we did what we did in the last segment, talking about bolstering the talent over the course of the season so that you can give him the talent that he needs to be successful as a play caller. 2012, we saw it again, right? He had the opportunity to call all the plays in 2012 for all of those uh, for that entire season because Sean Payton was suspended. That was the infamous Bounty Gate suspension season. If you haven't seen Home Team yet, go and check it out. Um, So I think that when you look at that, you look at that 2012 season and you see a top five scoring offense, a top three yardage offense, and there you go again. Pete Carmichael, when he has talent, an effective play caller able to um, put up numbers, put up points, 
and 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 continue the trend of what you've seen over the course of the New Orleans Saints, you know, 15, 16 years of heavy, really, really fantastic offensive output. Then in 2006, he called plays early on in that season as well, where the Saints finished two and one when it comes to points for as well as yardage. So I think that what we've seen is that if you give the talent to this team, that their coaching staff has the ability to maximize it, right? So you have to just get the talent there. You have to invest in, in wide receiver in the offseason, whether it be free agency or the draft, because those seasons you're talking about having guys that were fantastic on your team, Devery Henderson, Robert Meacham, um, uh, uh, Marcus Colson, who I know was drafted very late, but you're not always going to get that lucky, right? You can't expect every seventh round pick to be Marcus Colson, just like you can't expect every sixth or seventh round pick, whatever he was, for it to be to turn out to be Tom Brady, who recently retired. So you have to be able to invest in this position big time because you can already see Pete Carmichael being able to maximize quarterback play and wide receiver play and also maximize tight end play. That's why I think that the signing of a veteran like O.J. Howard would be a really good one because you get that you get that uh, familiarity for Jameis Winston if Jameis is indeed going to be the quarterback moving forward, which again, I still think would be the best option for this team, assuming his recovery goes well. Then, of course, you continue to build up the offensive line. You're probably going to lose Saran Armstead this offseason. It's unfortunate, but it's, it, 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 there's potential there because he's going to get paid a ton of money by the Jacksonville Jaguars or the Los Angeles Rams or the Cincinnati Bengals or something like that. Like He's going to hit the market and see the amount of money that he can make elsewhere, and I wouldn't blame him for taking it, especially being you know getting to the other side of 30 at this point. So if you're able to build all that up, what you can see is that in those 2011, 2012, 2016 seasons where we know Pete Carmichael had heavy play calling responsibilities at different points, he's able to maximize all that. And don't forget, like those aren't the only times that Pete Carmichael called plays. And it's not just the preseason either. I mean, Tron Armstead talked about it with WWL TV that Sean and, and, and Pete would trade off play calling pretty often and everything. So it actually happened quite a bit that he called plays. So for the Saints, this isn't a huge venture away from what it is that they've been doing. If they're in a situation to where they feel like they can compete by adding one, two, three pieces on the offensive side, getting things together, I think you're gonna need a little bit more than that, maybe three or four pieces over on the offensive side, then not disrupting the flow, not disrupting what everyone already knows and not changing the language, changing the vocabulary, changing the scheme is probably a good place to start so that you're not having to rebuild based upon changing your scheme, changing your system. So Pete Carmichael is going to be the offensive coordinator for 2022 for the New Orleans Saints. I think it's a good move if, if continuity is what they wanted. If it's a panic thing and nobody else wanted the job, that's less than, that's less than ideal, right? That's very much less than ideal. But if this is what they wanted all along, then they got what they wanted. We'll see how it all pans out, but they're going to need to add that talent over on the offensive side. Now, all eyes go to quarterback, all eyes go to defensive coordinator for the New Orleans Saints. And the best way to keep up with all of that is hopefully we hear about defensive coordinator here soon with the uh, with the, the scouting combine, the NFL combine, just a couple of weeks away at this point. Best way to keep up with all of it is right here on Locked on Saints. That's what we're going to be talking about tomorrow. Let's talk more about defensive players that the Saints should be targeting, defensive positions they should be paying attention to, defensive coordinators, all of that. We'll go all defense in tomorrow's episode to wrap up the week on Friday. As always, y'all, I appreciate you so much for making me your first listen of the day every day. For your second listen, make sure you go and check out Locked On Bets. Win yourself some money with your boy Q, handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Appreciate you as always making me a part of your day and a part of your routine for everything else that you need around your New Orleans Saints in between these episodes. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you're mom and them. And trust you, that nation, I'll holla at you.